0: of Salty Thoughts with Tamal Dodge. So today we're going to be discussing creating and cultivating your own home meditation practice as well as starting a spiritual life um, and this is something that isn't artificially done it's something that has to be cultivated has to be um, put forth from a very deep and sincere place meaning we're not doing it because it's trendy we're not doing it because someone told us to do it we're doing it because Something within us is calling us and we are going to answer that call. But before we get into the discussion of creating a home meditation practice, before we start talking about these different techniques and also these different lifestyle changes, you know how when you do a yoga class, you do warm-up exercises, you do some basic postures, you do... Sun Salutation A, Sun Salutation B, to warm up the body so that you can do the deeper poses safely. You're warming the body. Well, similarly, in yoga, before you discuss any kind of spiritual subject matter, we want to warm up our consciousness. And the way you do that is reciting mantras, or spiritual sound vibrations. And the mantra we are going to recite is Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, which essentially means I offer my respects to God. So if you're listening to this, you'll repeat after me. Om Namo Bhagavate Vaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasude Vaya. And we would usually recite that for, you know, five, ten minutes, but for the sake of time, we'll just keep it short. So, most people ask us, or ask me on a regular basis, what is meditation? Is it sitting quietly, trying to stop your thoughts? Is it staring? at a blank wall or a candle flame. So there is a distinction between something called dharana and dhyana. Dharana is concentration. It's quite often confused with dhyana or meditation. Concentration is where you could close your eyes, observe your breathing process, getting your mind into a place of calm. You could stare at a candle flame, You could also half close your eyes and stare at the tip of your nose. Uh, You'll see in a lot of Buddhist traditions um, exercises that are done like this. And this is like a pre-meditation. It's a place to get your mind in the right place so that you're not experiencing mental congestion or experiencing traffic in your thought process. But we're really slowing things down. Now the difference between that concentration, the dharana, and then dhyana, dhyana meditation is dhyana is about focusing on something spiritual. Name of God, prayer, uh, working on yourself, taking out your bad habits. These are all actions that are under the category of meditation, spiritual activity. Now the different styles of meditation that are out there. um, There are so many and there's a broad spectrum of what you could be practicing. But the one that we are gonna practice today is called mantra meditation. Man means mind and tra means that which frees you from. So mantra meditation is basically that which frees you from your mind. And the first one that we are going to do is very simple we're going to think about the mantra om and then we're going to vibrate it out loud we do this in yoga classes all the time so you'll take a deep inhale and you will exhale You'll take a big inhale and then open your mouth and saw a breath out. You can do that for five, ten minutes, however you feel I'm drawn to do it uh, or inclined to do it. It is very important to realize that um, meditation and spiritual activities are about changing your consciousness. Um, whatever your mind is most fixated on through the course of your life, is usually going to decipher how attached you are to something. For example, if our whole life is about acquiring a certain amount of money, and our whole job in life is fixated on, let me acquire wealth, let me acquire material things. That means day in and day out, all we're thinking about is money, 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 money. That becomes our mantra. If our whole existence is about creating a perfect relationship, or finding a relationship, we're just thinking about someone. And we're thinking about how that someone can make us happy. And we're thinking about how we can make that person happy, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it becomes our consciousness, relationship, relationship, relationship. Now, if our whole consciousness is about, you know, buying a house, Living in a specific location, those become our mantra, our muscle memory, our spiritual muscle memory. A perfect example about this is Gandhi. you know when Gandhi was alive, people were talk people were calling him Mahatma Gandhi, which means great soul, and he didn't like it. he He said, "You can't call me a great soul and they said, "Why you're doing so many amazing things, you're liberating this country, you're helping so many people. why can't we call you?" Mahatma Gandhi, great soul. And Gandhi said, because it isn't until it is proven that at the time of my death, that when I am assassinated, I raise my hand and I forgive my assassin. And at the same time, I die with the names of God on my lips. Can you call me a great soul? Because Gandhi understood that in yoga philosophy, that what you feel and what you think at the time of death will reflect a lifetime of practice. So if you have created a lifetime of meditating on money, and at the time of death, your thoughts most likely will be, oh, but I have X amount of millions of dollars in the bank. How am I going to let that go? Money, 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 money. Oh, that girl or that guy made me so happy, and I want to hold on to them, but now I have to pass through this doorway of death then you're thinking relationship, relationship, relationship. When Gandhi throughout his whole life, whenever he wasn't in conversation or giving a speech, his mantra was Ram, 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 which is the name of God, which means he who gives happiness to the soul, or one who gives happiness to the soul. So at the time of Gandhi's death, When he was shot, he raised his hand and forgave his assassin. And his words were, Ram, 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 as he passed. Because he had created such a strong spiritual muscle memory, a spiritual practice that his greatest attachment and the thing he thought of at the very last moment, at the most frightening moment of everyone's life, was God. Because that was his spiritual muscle memory. And from then on, everyone called him Mahatma Gandhi, great soul, because he did what a great soul would do. So that is an example of creating a spiritual practice and sticking with it throughout your lifetime and where it should lead you. Because in that moment, Gandhi wasn't filled with fear. He wasn't clouded. Everything was lucid. And he experienced fearlessness that is why he was able to do so much in those few moments at the very end of his life he was able to think of forgiveness and he was able to think of god which is in yoga the highest form of consciousness you know whatever your greatest attachment is at the time of your passing is going to decipher where you go in the next life Now, the next mantra or spiritual practice we're going to do is called japa meditation, which is repetition. So this requires you getting some mala beads or japa beads. Um, When I first uh, started hanging out in the Los Angeles yoga scene, everyone had malas, and I thought everyone was chanting and using their malas, and I'd say, oh, what are you chanting on your beads? And people are like, this is part of my outfit. What are you talking about? I have a gray one. I have a purple one. I have a magenta one. And... (laughs) I was really shocked. I was like, what? This is not just, an, it's not part of an outfit. These are instruments or tools for spiritual practice. And if we can actually take our mala beads and not just um, orient them with our outfit through the day, but we can actually use them for attaining higher consciousness, they become a valuable tool in our everyday life. So the mala beads. There's no real hard and fast rules about using them. I mean, there are some ways and traditions of which hand you should use them and which fingers you should use them in, but I don't want you getting caught up in the hard and fast rules because it'll kind of pull you away from the goal. It'll distract you from the purpose of doing it. I'd rather you just do the meditation practice, use whatever hand feels most comfortable, use whatever fingers feel best, and really just focus on the mantras and the activity itself. So we use Gandhi's mantra. We're going to say Ram, again, which means one who gives happiness to the soul. And you're going to start closest to the head bead, the bead right next to the head bead. You hold it between two fingers, and you're going to say Ram just loud enough so that you can hear it. Um, And the reason this is such an amazing um, way of meditating is it engages so many senses, the sense of touch with your fingers, the sense of speech with the mouth the sense of hearing with the ears. So the more senses that are engaged in a specific meditation practice, the chances of you being very focused and engaged in that meditation technique is enhanced tenfold. So holding next to the headbeat, we'll just do a little bit. You can close your eyes, and or if you're on a walk right now and listening to this on your iPhone or um, some kind of... You know, digital device, that's fine. And we're gonna whisper just loud enough so that you can hear it yourself. And we'll go for a little bit. Rum, 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 ram, rum, 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 rum. rum. So obviously that was a very short round of it. Uh, What I recommend or suggest to students is to go at least one whole round. That means all the way around from one side of the head bead to the other side. And then if you want to do more, do another round and do as many as you like. Um, But really pick a number that you feel that you can commit to every day, whether that's one round or 10 rounds. Find a number that you know that you can stick with and not deviate from because consistency is what it's all about Um, being regular and you'll notice that when you do this meditation technique it'll change your outlook in your day it'll make you feel happier, it'll change the way you react and interact with other individuals it makes us really become the person that we want to be, the person that we are destined to be because all these meditation techniques change our consciousness they elevate us Something that is also a wonderful home practice is um, Svadhyaya, so, uh, which is contemplation. Uh, someone named Pantanjali centuries, centuries ago jotted down uh, Pantanjali's eight sutras, which are eight writings or ways that we really live our life. It's about lifestyle. And contemplation can be done when you're on walks, maybe on the beach or in your neighborhood. And it's looking at your bad habits, things you need to change, you know, taking out all the junk out of our closet, cleaning out the cobwebs and facing it. It's also asking those deep metaphysical, ontological questions of life, those ones that hit us to the core of who am I? What is my purpose? Why do I exist? Is there a soul or is there not a soul? Is there a God or is there not a God? Because we have these ideas floating around all the time, but rarely do we address them we have these ideas that oh you know when I'm retired and I'm living on a beach in Costa Rica I'll start you know addressing these issues but that's just putting it off putting it off and the chances of us never addressing them become very 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 real so we have to take the time we have to set aside the time now in our present situation to look at this stuff and it isn't until we actually look at them can we actually find the answers So I suggest maybe getting a book, an empty journal, writing about the things that you want to change, asking these deep questions, also setting spiritual goals. You know, so much of us, we set these huge vision boards of material goals. I want a Ferrari, I want a house in Malibu, I want a private jet, I want this by 10 years, I want that. Well, none of that stuff is gonna last. All that stuff is temporary. Everything has an expiration date in this material world. So you have to set spiritual goals. Where do you want to be spiritually? And these things will really help you continually make transitions and change in your life. And it becomes a very, very, very great instrument in your own home study. Now, when I was a kid, growing up in a yoga ashram, we used to do spiritual plays. You know, we'd have 30 people living with us at a time. And we would do these spiritual plays that were really there to create a profound impact, even though it was just a bunch of kids doing a play. So we did one play that um, was called Fish Out of Water. And I played a fish. And I'm on land. And I'm flopping around, gasping. And a guy comes up to me and he says, Fish! Are you all right? You look cold. The guy takes off his jacket and he throws it on me. So now I'm a fish on land flopping around with a coat. A few minutes later, a girl comes up to me and I'm flopping around. And she goes, fish, are you okay? You look like you need love. And so then all of a sudden, I shack up with this girl. And now I'm a fish with a coat and a girlfriend. And someone else comes along and says, Fish, are you okay? You look like you need a smoke. So now I'm a fish with a girlfriend, a jacket, and a cigarette. And someone else comes by and gives me money. Someone gives me a job. I have a house. And the list goes on and on and on. But really all I need is water. But no one can see it, and I can't even see it. And it isn't till the end of the play that somebody comes up to me and says, Fish, you need water. And this guy takes me and he throws me in the ocean, and I'm happy. Because I'm in my natural environment. Water. It's a metaphor for us and our plight. In yoga they say we are spiritual beings having a material experience. And we're walking around thinking that we are material beings. So we're constantly getting relationships, money, clothes, possessions, stuff. Thinking that it's going to make us happy, but it's always falling short. And it isn't until we go back into our natural environment of being spiritual, satisfying a spiritual being with spiritual stuff, meditating, reflecting, spiritual activities, helping others, that we'll ever find happiness just like the fish will not be happy on land. It has to be back in its natural environment of water. So there are so many different aspects and levels of spiritual topics in yoga philosophy. And we are just literally at the tip of the iceberg here. And there's so much just in this little bit. But in yoga, one of the fundamental foundational things is Aham brahmasmi, I am spirit. I am not this temporary material body. I'm an eternal pure spirit soul or a jiva atma. And we actually start to practice these meditation techniques and we regularly engage in spiritual activities. This doesn't just become philosophical idea but it becomes a spiritual realization something else that is a pillar in yoga philosophy is prayer a lot of us feel uncomfortable with praying because we don't know if there really is a God we don't know if we're just talking to the air you know so we have to take the time to figure it out and give it a try. If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to do it. Like I said, all this stuff is just information. And you can take some, you can leave some, but I really hope you give it a shot. Now, prayer is very powerful. Now my dad was a wild, deep spiritual person. Um, he would go off at night and sometimes wouldn't come, come back home for an hour, sometimes wouldn't come back for eight, nine hours. Sometimes he wouldn't come back till the next day. He would just go off. And he'd come back looking wild with an electric smile on his face and would go, Dad, where have you been? And he would say, Talking to God. And when I was a boy, I used to ask him, Well, what are you doing out there? And he used to say, Well, you've got to be real. You know, you can't just kneel down and say, Thee, thou, God, be thy, thee, and be artificial or superficial. You've got to be real. And you got to pour your guts out. And, you know, people are always wondering, well, I don't want to say the right thing. I don't want to be, uh, you know, saying something that might offend God because God could smite me. And we have all these ideas about that. But I always uh, talk about this story. In the Rwanda genocide, there was a boy who killed another boy's family. And these boys got together after this genocide had happened and the boy who killed the other boy's family fell down at the other boy's feet and he cried and said I'm so sorry that I killed your family I don't even deserve to be in your presence please forgive me I am nothing and the other boy fell down and cried too and says no I forgive you he's like I would have done the same it was just confusion and chaos and it was not right and he said but we have to stop This confusion, we have to stop this hatred. And we must go around the world together and teach everyone about peace and forgiveness. And that boy forgave the other boy for killing his family. And to this day, they travel around the world teaching the world about peace and the power of forgiveness. Now I ask you, the listener, to search your heart and think about this, that if we as human beings, we as human beings possess the ability to forgive somebody, for even killing our own family, then I think God possesses the forgiveness if we just talk frankly. Because if God doesn't possess the forgiveness to forgive us for, you know, just being very blunt and straightforward, then that would be ridiculous. That means we possess something God doesn't. When God should be and would be all forgiving. So when my dad would go out into the forest or go out into the jungles of Hawaii or wherever it was to talk... He'd be straight. If he was upset, he would let God know. He would say, You motherfucker, where are you? Where the fuck are you? And he would scream his guts out. And he wouldn't leave until he got an answer. My dad would say sometimes he would get an answer in an hour. And sometimes it would take 15 hours. But he wasn't just going to sit there and pray for five minutes and go, Well, okay, I guess uh, God's not showing up today. Time to leave. And just walk away. But he would literally be there with a the determination that if I don't get an answer, I will die here. And you have to go out with that kind of determination that you are serious about your spiritual life. And we have to ask ourselves have I ever given it a shot like that? Have I ever literally gone out there and given it my all? And if not, if the answer comes back that oh, I haven't, then we have to ask ourselves, well, why not? I got nothing to lose and everything to gain. I could have a deeply spiritual, wild, and psychedelic experience with God out there. So give it a shot. So praying and praying real is very, very um, much so a part of yoga tradition and is a deep part of yoga philosophy, and it is a key component in our home meditation practice. Also reading regularly. I like the Bhagavad Gita as it is because it's a non-altered or corrupted translation of the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, it hasn't been altered with an author's personal um, embellishments. You could also read wonderful books by Socrates, Gandhi books. Find quotes that are deeply inspirational to help you evolve and read that quote and take it with you through the day as something that you will you will you will, excuse me, you will use as your fuel, your spiritual fuel for the day. And you'll notice that when you do these things, reading regularly, finding a quote, it keeps you on the path. And this is all about keeping you on the path. And next is hanging out with like-minded people. You know, there's a lot of information that suggests that you become like who you hang out with. You know, there's a reason why people in AA go to AA meetings. They go around with other people that are trying to get clean, whether from sex addiction, drug addiction, um, codependency. They are trying to hang out with people that are trying to change, that are changing, so that they stay on the course and the path to change. Now, if you want to go with people who don't want to change and you want to continue doing whatever, you know, habits that those people are doing, you'll start doing those habits. So hanging out with people who want to create spiritual change will help you stay the path. And also, even if you don't have friends that you find right now that are in that state, having spiritual conversations, asking a friend, hey, do you believe in God? Do you believe in life after death? Do you believe in reincarnation and karma? And they will end up becoming some of the most enriching, Conversations you have ever had. And your friend and whoever it is that you're talking with will most likely enjoy the conversation and it will happen more frequently. And these will all help you and whoever's around you change their consciousness. And in closing to this little philosophy talk and this little bits of information that we are sharing here today. I hope that you try it all out and maybe give yourself a dedication you know say I'm gonna give this a real try I'm gonna give this 12 months of my life a year to try these things regularly and see where it takes you because in Pantanjali's eight sutras in his writings which is really considered like a map for our yoga lifestyle the physicality of yoga the asanas is only one of his writings the others all have to do with lifestyle change of living your yoga off of your yoga mat and if you can take these meditation techniques and put them into your daily life imagine what kind of change you'll see you see the changes that you get from the physical practice of yoga tone muscles flexibility feeling great meditation spiritual practice gives you santosha, contentment, ananda, happiness or blissfulness, and clarity of who you are and what your purpose is. Thank you for listening. Namaste.